The Politics, Politics, Politics podcast, or PX3 for short, is brought to you by everybody who supports us at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Again, TakePoliticsSeriously.com. If you're at the $3 level, you get the podcast on Monday, you get the podcast on Friday, and you can reward us for getting out there and finding the interviews that nobody else has the stones to do including the one that we did yesterday. Friends, nobody has brought you into the world of presidential and political fan fiction the way that we just did yesterday. This is one of my favorite interviews that we've ever done on this show. You owe it to yourself to listen to it because it is something that you will not hear anywhere else. All I'm going to say is this. Trump slash Shrek. If you don't know what that means, listen to the episode and you will. If you know the nomenclature of fan fiction, then friends, prepare yourself for a wild ride. That's for free in the politics feed. You can support that. Take politics seriously. Dot com. But enough of talking about how we support the show. What do you say? We just do that damn My name is Justin Robert Young. This is the PX3 Podcast, the only, the only show that will tell you about how things are really going down. I might ruin my career this week. You know, periodically since I've decided to fancy myself a political pundit, there have been times when relevancy has sniffed around this franchise. When friends and acquaintances have uh, made mention to me, oh, Justin, would you like to work at this place? Oh, you want to know what? Somebody's actually looking for somebody. They're, they're kind of taking a look at what you do. And all of a sudden, you get a few Twitter follows. Oh, look, this is a major news outlet that's now following me from out of nowhere. Isn't that interesting? But I doubt any of that will ever work, mostly because I am self-destructive and I have an inability to not talk about whatever the hell I want. And sometimes that means like what our interview was where I'm talking about uh, Trump having sex with Shrek with a professor from the University of Utah. So it is scholarly (laughs) in its pursuits. And then every once in a while, I'm going to talk about what we're going to talk about now, because there is a fair amount that is going on in politics and we will get to all of it. We're going to get to Biden. We're going to get to Bernie. We're going to get to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. We're going to get to Elizabeth Warren and Game of Thrones and everything else. But I got an email from my co-creator on the Contender and Action News, John Teasdale. And he just sent me an email that said, talk about why Kim Kardashian's going to be president. And I said, why? (laughs) 
And he's like, I'm, I was confused. I'm like, wait, I, I think I do. It's like kind of like a trope here on the show that I've made mention that Kim Kardashian is going to run for president. And he's like, yeah, and you've talked to me about it personally, but I tried to tell somebody else about it and I thought I was crazy. So I just want to have a thing where people can send, I, I can send people to like this clip and you can be the one to explain it to them. You have to... Put it in carbonite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to seal the deal on this so the so the meme can spread. And so here it is. At the risk of my entire political career, at the risk of being thought of as a total loon by everybody in legitimate political media, by any friend that I have made in this uh, bizarre industry, I am going to explain to you why I sincerely, and this is not a joke, I am being serious as a heart attack. I believe that Kim Kardashian is going to run for president. I believe that she is giving us signals that she is running for president and soon. So let's lay out the case. First, what are the negatives about Kim Kardashian? The reason why this argument would be ridiculed is because she does have high negatives. People who uh, uh, think bad about her think very bad about her. So I just listed these here uh, uh, before we went on. Uh, She's vapid. She's a rich girl. She made a sex tape. Her relationships are press releases. She's stupid. And she's the sign of a crumbling world. These are six negatives. These are six uh, things that people would hold against her. So let's go through those. Vapid. All right. Comes from a rich family. Okay. Relationships are press releases. She's stupid. She's a sign of a crumbling world. And let's even add in there uh, by way of materialism. Well, literally everything that I just read right now could also be used as a description of Donald Trump in the 80s and 90s. Like, literally, these were exactly what people thought of Donald Trump. Right down to the fact that it was a sign of a a crumbling world, right? Specifically when it came to materialism. That people were worshipping the almighty dollar. He was the sign of his age. If you were to ring out the me, me, me 80s, then Donald Trump would be what pulls at the bottom of all those droplets. And similarly, if you were to say, what is... The, the woman of her age, the, the person that uh, typifies the emerging social media craze, well, boom, Kim Kardashian. Now, Donald Trump didn't make a sex tape, although I would argue that this is probably more of a <laughs> reasoning that he just didn't have the technology available to record and publish one. But despite the fact that Trump is a comp for some of these negatives, I don't believe that Kim Kardashian is a Trump-like figure. I believe that Kim Kardashian is a Ronald Reagan-esque figure. Beyond the fact that they are both from Southern California, share some of that same political DNA of being in the uh, uh, conservative 
minority in a very liberal area. I think that Kim Kardashian is already looking toward conservatives as a way that she can get things done. Despite the fact that she was a Hillary voter, she has, for the last several months, campaigned behind the scenes. Not unlike Bono did with uh, uh, George W. Bush. Saw a thing that a president would be likely to get something done on and politic behind the scenes, primarily through Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump. She allegedly is using her wealth and legal team to quietly free people from prison for which she's not making a gigantic deal about, which means something considering she makes a gigantic deal about everything. That's how she makes her money. That's how her business is run. I believe that Kim Kardashian might be looking at the political landscape and finding herself an odd person out, specifically with the left, for this reason. The reason why I compare her to Ronald Reagan. In 1960, Ronald Reagan was a member of the Democratic Party. He was a television actor whose career was fairly obviously on the wane. He wrote the following letter to Richard Nixon after JFK gave his speech accepting the nomination for the Democratic Party at the convention in Los Angeles. Quote, underneath underneath the tussled boyish haircut, it is still old Karl Marx. First launch a century ago. There's nothing new in the idea of the government being big brother to us all. Now, what does that have to do with Kim Kardashian? I, this is a gut feeling. I believe that whether or not a Democrat wins in 2020... And no, I don't believe that Kim Kardashian is going to run in this election because I do believe she probably will drift more to the right. I believe that the Democratic Party, their biggest stars are progressives. And I don't think that Kim Kardashian, in what she has done or shown so far, fits into that. So let's look at the positives for Kim Kardashian. Number one, she has core issues, i.e. prison reform, on which she already has results. She not only owns an insurmountable media edge in the medium that matters the most, which is social, she also has a list of surrogates that basically fills out the rest of the top 10. I mean, we live in a world where Kendall Jenner tweets one person or mentions one thing on Instagram and it's all of a sudden a star is born. What happens if they all decided one thing needed to happen? What is the power of that media spotlight? How can a message be groomed if all of them work in concert with each other? Kardashian and her mom, Kris Jenner, have built a massive business, one that is undeniably theirs. Whether or not you like the fact that they are an entire family of influencers and makeup salespeople, that is something that they do very well. And it is undeniably their own money. 
But here's the biggest thing. And this is something that Ronald Reagan had. This is something that Donald Trump had. She is used to having the most vile, personal criticism hurled toward her every day of her life since she was in her early 20s. There is not a mean thing that you can say about Kim Kardashian for which she probably has not heard a million times. This is the kind of thick skin that helps when you are running, when you are in a debate, when you are dealing with the day-in, day-out grind. If you're talking about a fatigue of ego, Kim Kardashian has a thicker skin than possibly anybody on the planet. We've even heard during uh, Kanye's flakeouts that that she's the voice of reason. Kanye's rapped about it, that she's the one on the phone saying, calm down. She's the one on the phone trying to lay out where all the money's coming from and how you're screwing things up. Which brings me to trying to figure out whether or not Kim Kardashian has any interest in politics. With a quick Google search, I could find that she considered herself a liberal Republican before deciding to vote for Hillary. In general, I suspect that she doesn't talk much about politics because people from all sides of the aisle buy makeup and dresses, and she doesn't want to necessarily cut off a profit sector for herself. Which also you could read as good message discipline. Kim Kardashian is 38 years old. She's two years older than me. She's a mother of three from Calabasas, California. The ratings on her television show are waning. So you have to ask, if you're Kim Kardashian, and it seems like she's already made some of this decision, how are you going to use your influence? How are you going to use your power? You're not just going to be able to get on fake arguments on television forever. And now when we look back at some of those negatives, eh, they don't seem so bad. How dumb can she be if she built her own business? How vapid do we want to brand her when she's the mother of three children? In fact, now she's somebody that so many people know. She's welcomed them into her home. What if she wants genuinely in her mind to make the world a better place? She looks in the eyes of her children and says, this is what I want. She looks at her influence and says, this is how I can get it. It is in my opinion that the first sign that we will know that I am right is when Kim Kardashian's book comes out. If it's about or mentions religion, she's running as a conservative. If it mentions the environment, she's coming out as a Democrat. Then comes the announcement, and then comes the race for 2024. The greatest presidential contest we have ever seen. Kim Kardashian versus Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Get hyped! Politics! 
Folks, we have crossed the magic milestone of 1776 subscribers to the free political newsletter. Again, free political newsletter at freepoliticalnewsletter.com. We are taking a hiatus on it. It will not be issued as I am out in Italy. It's one of the only things that I uh, am I'm not you know, turning over to somebody else. But uh, uh, please go ahead and, and get in on it uh, now. We are pushing toward 2,000, 2,000 subscribers to a newsletter that we only started a few months ago. And, and I am very, very, very proud of the community that we have already built. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who has done it. And I'll tell you what, I made it really, really easy for you to forward the newsletter on to a friend of yours. If you know somebody that is... You know, like you, a free thinker, somebody that really wants a, a different take in the world of politics, somebody that can get a little bit of a chuckle that doesn't have to be riled up into a frothing lather of confirmation bias theater. Then you can forward them the free political newsletter and right up at the top, there's a big old button that just says subscribe to this newsletter. So if they like it, all they got to do is hit that button and they are good to go. So help a brother out. Send it to your brother or your sister or your mother or your aunt or somebody that you're not related to. Free political newsletter at freepoliticalnewsletter.com. So what actually happened in the world of politics this week? Let's begin with the age war <laughs> the, the 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 fight between the ideological and age spectrum uh, and that is Joe Biden versus Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez here is the story from NPR Ocasio-Cortez decries Biden middle Biden's middle of the road approach to climate change representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez blasted the middle of, of the road approaches on climate change and apparent criticism of former Vice President Joe Biden. Let's hear her in her own words, shall we? Is the fact that in 1989, the year that I was born, the year that I was born, the year that many of us were born, and, and in years after and right before, that politicians were first informed by NASA that Congress was first notified by NASA that climate change was going to threaten my life and everyone here's life to come, and they did nothing. That is too much for me. And I, and I will be damned if the same politicians who refused to act then are gonna try to come back today and say we need a middle of the, the middle of the road approach to save our lives, that is too much for me. Meanwhile, Joe Biden on the campaign trail did not take the veiled insult lying down. He told a campaign rally that his critics need to calm down. This is Biden in his own words. You've never heard me say middle of the road. I've never been in the middle of the road on the environment. And I tell her to check that. No. 
glitches that I made and work on my record, she'll find that nobody has been more consistent about taking on the environment and the green revolution behind Man, he does sound old, though. God damn it, does he sound old. I, I don't know. I don't know what's... Yeah, I don't know. I, I keep saying that, and uh, his poll numbers keep going up. So uh, uh, maybe that'll matter. Maybe it will not. Uh, uh, it just... Uh, I don't know. This also uh, has the backdrop of who's going to win the Ocasio-Cortez uh, endorsement. Uh, I think she is probably the most high-profile endorsement that's in play before the convention it would take something gigantic to get obama off the bench and endorse somebody before it's very clear who is going to get the nomination but ocasio cortez can be had and apparently there is a a real fight between elizabeth warren and bernie sanders although i think it's bernie sanders to lose speaking of elizabeth warren she has rejected a Fox News offer for a town hall. This uh, uh, was her reaction to the fact that, hey, look, there there have been a, a couple of these big, high-profile town halls, announced at least. Bernie Sanders already had his. It was the highest-rated town hall so far in the 2020 process. Mayor Pete is going to have his own. There is an undeniable big fight feel to a liberal gladiator walking into the most notorious and popular conservative fighting pit. If they survive, I think they get credit from their base. If they thrive, they might get credit from independents. Elizabeth Warren has decided to zig while the others zag, however, calling Fox News a hate-for-profit racket We read now, Fox News gives a megaphone to racists and conspiracists. It's designed to turn us against each other, risking life and death consequences to provide cover for the corruption that's rotting our government and hollowing out our middle class. Hate for profit works only if there's profit. So Fox News balances a mix of bigotry, racism, and outright lies with enough legit journalism to make the claim to advertisers that it's a reputable news outlet. It's all about dragging in ad money, big ad money. But Fox News is struggling as more and more advertisers pull out of their hate-filled space. A Democratic town hall gives the Fox News sales team a way to tell potential sponsors that it's safe to buy ads on Fox. No harm to their brand or reputation. And spoiler, it's not. Um... You know, this is this is interesting. Uh, Elizabeth Warren has actually found traction in the polls recently by being the hard leftist with nards. She was the one to push for impeachment and Beto followed. And now she will be the one to say, no, this trend of, of, of you know, prog- super progressives like Bernie or more moderate Democrats like Mayor Pete, that's all funding the hate for profit racket that is Fox News. It's a bit of a gamble. You know, this is kind of the track that has worked for her recently, so I think it makes sense that she's making the claim. You know, until she gets leapfrogged by Mayor Pete when Mayor Pete's town hall reaches, you know, is, is the highest rated town hall they've ever had. Then it'll be a case of her fucking up. 
Hey, speaking of Beto, remember Beto? Oh, you guys, remember Beto? Oh, man. Remember, remember when he ran against Ted Cruz, you guys? Oh, dude, people were so into Beto. I wonder if he's going to run for president. Oh, wait, he started? Oh, what happened? What happened, Beto? What happened? He had kind of a false start. Part of what he wanted to do when he first started running tactically was to, hey, stay off the talking head shows. You know, you don't need to be wall to wall in some closet in New Jersey so you can make face with the same couple hundreds of thousands of viewers that watch Rachel Maddow every night. What Beto wanted to do was get out into the trenches, meet with any group that wanted to meet him in Ohio, meet with any group that wanted to meet him in Iowa, meet with any group that wanted to meet him in New Hampshire, in Nevada. He was going to stand on every table for any group of two dozen people and make sure that they knew that Beto cared about them more than he did about TV cameras. Yeah, well, he fucked up. <laughs> it turns out that was a bad strategy. So now he's just going to go on television shows, and this is part of his rebooting of his campaign. Here was Beto on The View apologizing for how he ran for president a few months ago. Did a Vanity Fair cover to announce your campaign, and you said you were, quote, born to be in it. You went across the country alone on a road trip after you lost your election, and you said you, quote, sometimes help raise your kids. These are things in my mind that a female candidate wouldn't be able to get away with. Do you think you can get away with more because you're a man? And do you have any regrets about launching on the cover of Vanity Fair? You're right. Um, there are things that I have been privileged to do in my life that, that others cannot. Um, you say those are mistakes? Being on the cover of Vanity Fair? Yeah, so, so Megan- It looks elitist, what? What's yeah, yeah, I, I think it, it reinforces that, that perception of privilege. And that headline that said I was, I was born to, mm. to be in this, I, in the article was attempting to say that, that I felt that my calling was in public service. No one is born to be president of the United States of America, oh. uh, least of all me. I believe that when this 2020 election is all said and done, that me pegging Beto as an empty suit will be quite possibly my, 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 my greatest achievement. Like, what the hell is he even talking about? Like, there's no... So what is the vision here? What is the reason why you're running? Like, what? you don't have any kind of signature campaign thing. Initially, it looked like he was going to go with border security. He's from El Paso, border security. All right, immigration. Immigration is obviously a very touchy subject. I can be an immigration candidate. I can uh, champion the argument on the left. I can be somebody that might be acceptable to independents that uh, understand that immigration is an issue, but don't like, like how far the Trump campaign or the Trump administration rather has gone. But no, there's, I mean, there's none of it. Like, like what the hell is, what's his point? And then like, the, the thing is, yes, you should think that you were born to be president. You should think that you're born to be president, but you need other people to say it. So like, if you're going to end it saying, oh, 
Uh, I'm uh, no one's born to be president, least of all me. Cool. I'm going to move on to another candidate. Thanks for showing up, uh, Beto. Cool dude. You're a grad. You're a rad guy. I think you're going to be president. Wrong. Oh, wait a minute. If that's the case, then it might be time for the. of wrong opinions, ladies and gentlemen. Don Jr. will not appear in front of the Senate Intelligence Committee as chaired by a Republican. Wrong! Well, he is. He's going to do it. Uh, This was uh, actually going to get really, really, really ugly and then uh, wound up resolving itself. Donald Jr. has agreed to appear before the Senate Intelligence Committee for a second round of questions, complying with a subpoena from Chairman Richard Barr, sorry, not Barr, Burr, who came under fire from fellow Republicans for demanding the testimony. Trump Jr. struck the deal Tuesday to interview with the panel next month for between two and four hours. The committee had originally set a 5 p.m. deadline on Monday for him to respond no exact word on what the parameters of the conversation are going to be but it's not going to be a big fat ugly fight hey elizabeth warren has a great game of thrones take wrong oh this one is is just it's just a bad look you know it's not that elizabeth warren has to have a great opinion on everything but this was elizabeth warren's quote at the beginning of this season of Game of Thrones. We've got five episodes to find out if the people can truly break their chains, destroy the wheel, and rise up together to win. Yes, Elizabeth Warren was rooting for her favorite character in the series, Daenerys Stormborn Targaryen, who, if you haven't seen the most recent episode, who boy, might not have been the greatest horse to back. Hey, this Trump trade war is going great. Wrong! Yeah, China has bit back. Uh, This is... (laughs) Look, uh, the, 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 the trade war from the very beginning was always going to get uglier before it got better. It just continues to get ugly. China and the United States apparently were close to a deal. China, according to the United States, then pulled back on a few of their key concessions. So Donald Trump levied some tariffs. China has now retaliated in levying some tariffs. And now Trump is debating whether or not he is going to levy yet more tariffs. This is going to require sacrifice economically from the United States. This is These are Trump's cabinet people that are saying this. So... Donald Trump is legitimately hurting the economy right now. Now, he is doing it in a way that he is, is, is telling you will make it better eventually. Right? But in this case, I don't know why the Democrats aren't hammering him harder on this. Again, this is, to me, the, the, the biggest money left on the table with the Mueller myopia. 
If everything's going to be constitutional crisis, and if we're really arguing about Jerry Nadler looking to impeach Bill Barr, right? Then we're not talking about, hey, can we look at the president intentionally trying to uh, uh, damage our economy in this dick measuring contest with China? Like, like this is this is something that they should be drawing attention to because if it continues to put a strain on the economy, they're going to need to capitalize on it. And you can't capitalize on it unless you put a spotlight on it. If you're telling that story. You know, and this is Donald Trump's already apologizing to the farmers. This was his tweet. Uh, yesterday, May 14th, our great patriot farmers will be the one of the biggest beneficiaries of what is happening now. Hopefully China will do us the honor of continuing to buy our great farm product. The best, if not, your country will be making up the difference with a very high China buy. This money will come from massive tariffs being paid to the United States for allowing China and others to do business with us. The farmers have been the forgotten for many years. Their time is now. That's a fancy way of saying, I'm hurting you now so I can help you later. So why not put the spotlight, if you're the Democrats, on the hurting now? Make the hurt now count for more. Andrew Yang does not accept your challenge. Wrong! This is a clip from Andrew Yang's big New York City rally yesterday the 14th i heard this guy and i said challenge fucking accepted okay so noted he accepts the challenge good hey that fire and fury book remember that one it was fake and it doesn't deserve a sequel wrong well you're gonna get one anyway michael wolf is back his sequel to Fire and Fury will be called Siege. And it will be out soon. Uh, uh, apparently, he is claiming that two-thirds of his sources from Fire and Fury talked to him again for this book. The thing that I liked the most about Fire and Fury was not necessarily what was said. There's a lot of liberties that he takes. Uh, Michael Wolf does about... Like, he does, like, my least favorite thing in nonfiction where you just write a narrative in, you know, that, that you don't know. It's like, like you're writing a lot about what's in people's heads and, uh, you know, what exactly they said. You're writing, like, very verbatim dialogue, which I think is kind of stupid. It is a lot of hot goss. But the one thing that was undeniable in Fire and Fury was looking at who leaks to who. Like, Ivanka and Jared leak to MSNBC. And obviously, Steve Bannon le leaks to Breitbart, but then a few other friendly sources. Like, th there, was, there was a lot in there that was very, very, very worth it. And according to Axios, the majority of the uh, uh, sources for this version are ex-staffers who are still in contact with people inside and... Trump's coterie of business friends that he talks to every night, which is, I'm taking a wild guess, 90% of the stuff that matters. No one else matters? Poll numbers. We got some fresh 2020 poll numbers for you, friends. 
If you've never listened to this podcast, if you've never watched this podcast live here on Twitch.tv, then you have never seen a poll be parsed quite like this. First and foremost, this is a 2020 nationwide Democratic primary poll. And we are at eight percentage points to get up on stage. That means that we have some people that didn't make the cut. Jay Inslee, the Yang Gang, Tulsi Gabbard, Kirsten Gillibrand, Julian Castro, Amy Klobuchar, Cory Booker, the new and improved Beto 2.0. I'm sorry, friends, but... I don't see how you can hate from outside of the club. You can't even get in. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is an Emerson poll. Let's go. This poll was taken from May 10th to May 13th. Coming up first to the stage with 8% of the vote. He is the former mayor of South Bend, Indiana. Up at the big boys table, ladies and gentlemen, it is Mayor Pete Coming up next, your senator from California. She doesn't care who she picks as her VP. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Kamala Harris. Back in third place. Take your town hall and shove it. It is Elizabeth Warren. With 25%, a good showing for him. He is your independent senator from Vermont, Bernie Sanders. But your headliner, with 33% of the vote. He doesn't care if you call him middle of the road, as long as you call him first in the polls. Ladies and gentlemen, Big Joe Biden. Mm. 
That again is Judge 8, Harris 10, Warren 10, Sanders 25, and Joe Biden at 33. That is a eight-point spread for Joe Biden, but it actually is a better poll for Bernie. Bernie has done better in Emerson polls, so it's not a shock that uh, Bernie would be doing better here, but bringing it down to single digits is important if Bernie wants to remain in the race as co-headliners because otherwise, uh, you know, there's not much argument for that. Let's go ahead and get into but your emails. You can uh, email the show, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Again, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Justin writes, as a libertarian-leaning independent, I'd be interested in a Biden-Harris ticket as long as it wouldn't just be for the race card. I'd be interested if... Uh, I'd be interested to see if uh, Harris progressed into a candidate with a little national experience and a platform that has been vetted by wisdom and time. Do you think Biden would allow her to stretch her political legs as vice president? (laughs) I mean, she'd be vice president. She wouldn't be allowed to do shit. Eric writes, I just listened to the healthcare interview episode, and I thought that the interviewee forgot to mention that the government is still heavily involved in healthcare and is de facto setting the rates for uh, much of the services provided. Service providers cannot stay in business only running on Medicare patients because the government rates are too low to cover the expenses incurred from the regulatory compliance, insurance, and licensing. Thus, they charge more to others to make up the difference. Also, the reason that prescriptions are too high is a regulation. The FDA grants the rights to sell prescriptions to the market. The patent system forbids others from making similar drugs. The FDA grants monopolies to manufacturers to meet perceived market needs. Ken writes, Bernie keeps calling himself a socialist when he doesn't need to. Maybe I'm wrong, but my understanding is that he doesn't want the state to dictate the entire means of production. Yes, capitalism with a safety net on the socialist is on the socialist spectrum. But in my experience, the S word is one of those trigger words that is easily avoidable. Same for AOC. I can't tell if it's doing more harm than good. Ken, this is a feature, not a bug for them. They are saying... Look, the dirty words of socialism are dirty for no reason. You don't need to, to be scared of them. This is democratic social, socialism. Uh, 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 everybody's doing it in Europe. You know, it's just some, it's progress. Yes, it seems scary because some people in the 50s wanted to jump up and down and yell about it. But wake up, grandpa. We are, we're, we, you know, get in, loser. We're, we're making things more equitable. That's their point. Uh, it, it is great branding. But you're right. Does it put an undue ceiling on their success? We will find out. Garrick writes, I really enjoyed your interview with healthcare uh, or about healthcare with Mark Zitter. One thing I wanted to respond to was the discussion of how there's multiple ways to achieve universal coverage beyond Medicare for all, a single single payer system that is currently center stage. This is true, but there are very good reasons that the left is behind Medicare for all and not any of the others, such as the public option. They are number one. It's all about power. As long as employers are still the primary way of obtaining health care, they still have power over workers. Think of a person with a chronic illness who wants to leave their job to take care of their children or become self-employed, but can't leave their job for fears of losing their health care. 
or that unions spend a lot of their time and energy negotiating over health care at the expense of every other thing at the bargaining table. Two, the durability of the program. The universal programs are the hardest to cut because everyone has a stake. There's a reason that Social Security and Medicare have never experienced large cuts, but food stamps and unemployment insurance have both been cut to the bone. With a public option, on day one, you'd have insurance companies lining up to lobby for cuts to the program. Three, it's more efficient. Medicare in the United States has the lowest overhead costs of any health insurer. Similarly, across other developed nations, single-payer systems are more efficient than public-private hybrids. Fully socialized medicine, like the UK's NHS, are the most efficient, but you know, one thing at a time. I wonder if that would clash, Garrick, with what Eric is writing, that Medicare is unsustainable. So I think the argument from, from that side of the aisle would be, sure, it is cheaper and more efficient, but also... It's kind of a why don't they make the whole plane out of the black box argument. Luke writes, so you recently said that Biden sounds old and this spawns a question I've asked myself a thousand times since late 2016. How do we tell what is actually going to matter to the voters in 2020? Prior to Trump, I thought I had some sense of how politicians, especially the president, are meant to carry themselves while attempting to represent our country. But it seems to me that almost all expectations of our representatives are out the window. How do we know if Biden sounding old or any other topic for that matter is matter is going to move the needle at the polls? Uh, we don't. <laughs> we have no idea uh, whether or not we, we know whether or not him sounding old. I would just expect that at a certain point, if one of your biggest negatives is how old you are and you've tried to float all these trial balloons about picking up super young vice presidents that seeming, you know, there being physical evidence that you are reading as old would be bad, but you never know. And finally, Chris writes a question for you. I know that Bill Weld has a snowball's chance in hell of uh, overthrowing Trump in the Republican primary. But I've also seen some states pass laws that if you don't release your tax returns, that you can be on the you can't be on the primary ballot. If Trump never releases his tax returns, would Bill Weld automatically win those states and then his chances look better? Let's say if most blue states pass this law, would Bill Weld winning California, New York and other large blue states actually pose a threat in the Trump primary? Or is this all just a dream? Chris. Stop trying to make Fetch happen. It's never going to happen. And that about wraps it up for us today. You can email the show, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Our music has been provided by Valesco and Trop Killers. You can follow me at Justin R. Young on Twitter and Snapchat and Instagram. You can download archived episodes of this show at bonerwars.com. Support this show at takepoliticsseriously.com. Get those extra episodes. A little word of warning. I am not going to be on this show for the next two weeks, and yet we will have shows. Your guest host for the next two weeks, none other than Tom Merritt of Daily Tech News Show fame. I'm very excited for him to be the first ever co-host on the Politics, Politics, Politics program. 
I have no idea what it's going to sound like. I'm looking forward to listening to it just as much as you guys are. Uh, uh, It's going to be fantastic. No interview shows for the next two weeks, but we will be back with them after that. All right. That about wraps it up for us today. Until next week, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more talk about politics. But this is the only show that talks about all Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>